I, uh, I don't know, that's not happening this morning. And I'm not quite sure why, to be honest with you. Um, I don't tell you, let's pray first and then, we'll, and then we'll talk about it. So Lord, we ask, Lord, that you just bless our time together. And that um, your truth, Lord, would just go out, Father. That it would just speak and minister to my heart, to our hearts, Lord. Father, that we would uh, be convicted by it, Lord, and that we would be encouraged by your truth and by your presence, Lord. And, um, Father, I pray that we wouldn't feel burdened, but that we would be encouraged about what you have called us to, and that it's not impossible to get to and um, live in what you're calling us to. It's a reality, Lord, that we can live in. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be get discouraged easily, and... Um, Father, that we would just have a certain tenacity and fortitude about living out what you have for us, Lord. So I pray, Father, that you would just plant that in our hearts and in our minds. In uh, Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so, uh, so California was awesome. Uh, we had a chance to go out and hang out uh, with my sister and the kids, and it was just, it was an awesome trip. And we haven't gone away in a long time, so that was really nice. Uh, on the plane ride, plane rides were difficult. They really didn't, it was like eight hours there and seven and a half back, and we specifically chose flights at night, so that way the kids would hopefully fall asleep. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good intention. It was a good intention. We, we tried. Um, they really only slept maybe two hours, like the last two hours on the way there. And on the way back, not a wink. What is the deal? So, we got back here at Saturday, I, I looked at uh, um, the clock, yeah, I actually got, we got into the bed Saturday morning at 4 a.m., so it was like, dang, and the kids didn't sleep, you know, and then they're up, ready to go, 7.30, 8 a.m., and it's like, just stop, and so, all day yesterday, they're just, you know, totally crazy and hyper, and then, you know, we have all our crap now, you know, so we're trying to put it all away, and the house is a mess, and we're buzzing around, of course, you should really give it like three or four days, or depending upon who you are, a month to put everything back, um, but of course, we're trying to get as much as we can done right away, you know, so we're all like buzzing around the house, and what are you doing, what are you doing, I'm watching the kids, you know, and we're firing off at each other and doing all that stuff, and um, you know, then the kids didn't really get to bed till like midnight, so it's kind of just been like a blur, really, um, kind of getting there and getting back. The, the meat of it, the heart of it was awesome. It was really fun just being there and kind of unplugging for a little bit. And honestly, some of the most, the, the most fun time. We didn't even go a lot of places. They're in Central California, uh, Manteca. It's like an hour south of Stockton. And we, we only went out maybe on like three days. Um, one of the Sundays we traveled and checked out a church. And that was an experience. Um, that, that was a bigger church. They've been around for about 30 30-something uh, years, and it's about twelve to 13,000 on like a Sunday morning. So Sundays are just insane. I mean, they, their building's pretty big, like their campus, you know, it's, it's pretty big. And um, they have uh, four services. They got an 8 a.m., a 10.30 a.m., like a 1 p.m., and a 6 p.m. And we went to the 10.30 a.m., which is, you know, probably a pretty popular one. Uh, but as you're going in, even as you just approach, you know, there's just lines and just lines, you know, just to get into the church. And I'm like, yep, that'll be CC Noggin. We're just going to cloud this street right here. You know, it'll just be how people can get in and out. And there's like one lane, you know, 
we're going to be hated for that. So there's just a line, you know, and people getting up and dropping people off, and then um, there's parking attendants, you know, waving you to different lots and stuff, and then they usher you in. And so we're new, you know, it was, that was kind of a cool experience to be the new people, you know, at church. Um, so we're new, you know, we didn't have to set anything up, we didn't have to do anything, it was, it was, it was kind of different. Um, and, uh, and it was kind of nice, because I got a chance just to, you know, hang out with Julie and the kids and just do our family thing, it was fun. And so we walked into the check-in table, and, um, you know, they're, you know, we're like, where do we go, you know, what do we do? It's just this monstrosity of a place. And so we're like, okay, head down here. And so we walked down the hallway, the whole kid's wing, and they have... Um, you know how we have our little sign in the nursery, our little computer, and we type people's stuff in, and we print off their... They have, like, seven computers like that on the wall, and that's just for the visitors. The regulars have another set of, like, eight computers on the other side. So then we're, like, walking out. I'm seeing all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, CC Noggy, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> getting, getting all these ideas, you know, because I'm just... That's just where my mind goes. It just... I think that's what, you know, you have to believe for that. And so, um, so we're heading down the hallway, and um, so we're like, yeah, you know, we're new, and um, they're like, okay, go to our visitor's line. So we don't check in with the regular Sunday school kids. We go in the visitor's line for the Sunday school kids, and that line's over there, and that's like 25 people long. So I'm like, dang, we got there like 40 minutes early. That was not, nowhere near enough time. Because now we're waiting in line. They take on for, it's almost like, uh, like when a new Chick-fil-A or like a new restaurant, Krispy Kreme or something opens up. And there's like that crazy long line before you even get to the window. So they send their little like worker cronies out there to like write stuff down. Okay, what are you going to get? You know, so they had that, you know, going on. This is just for nursery and Sunday school. Like we didn't even get to anything yet. And so they're writing our stuff down. We finally come to the front. Um, Judson um, can go into the nursery, but Jaron... It was too packed. There, there, there was too many kids. So it's like, well, they're like, well, he's on a waiting list. And I'm like, a waiting list? How does that work? We're like, well, if one of the kids like, gets removed, you know, maybe he can come in then. And in my head, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And I'm like, if that kid gets removed, there's no hope for that kid to ever go back to Sunday school. Like, that's, your spot's been taken. Like, that's crazy. So it was such a different atmosphere. And then we finally get into um, their main sanctuary part. And it's kind of interesting the way they do it. It's really just a huge, just massive um, one square room. And then they have their stage. And uh, their worship team is just pretty much incredible. Uh, um, the, the band Jesus Culture um, came, if you don't know about them, you can Google them, look them up. They came out of that church. Um, and uh, it's just an, an amazing worship time. It's, uh, it's crazy. And then, um, but, you know, as I was sitting there, you know, it's like so professional and it's so like... Uh, um, it, it's pretty amazing that people are just doing regular worship like that every week. But at the same time, like, man, there's also something to be said for a small room of people that are just like their hearts are pouring out too. Because it's um, so it wasn't like that's the pinnacle, but it was it was interesting. You know, it was nice and refreshing to be around a few thousand people. Like, and they weren't they were like an intense and during that particular service, four services, so three thousand four services. That's like twelve thousand people, right? So in that particular service of 3,000, they were like, I mean, worship time. So, you know, we do our worship time and we're, you know. And then some of us are a little more radical. We're like, and some of us are a little more radical and we're like. And then the crazies, right, are like. And then there's some of us that are awesome, you know. And we kind of like stay right there. But before church even started, 
um, for us to even get a seat was crazy. Like, I split it with my brother-in-law. I'm like, listen, this place is packed. We've got to divide and conquer, try and find eight seats in a row. Because if our kids, you know, come back, you know, because we had two other, two other kids with us. Yeah. So we had to find eight seats. And so we're, we're walking through. And all the way up, we were like right here on the side. This is the stage. We're like right here on the side. And so we walked up. Uh, my brother and I was able to find eight in a row. So we were right next to it. It's pretty loud right there. Um, so we were up there. But as we were doing that, about five to six minutes, ten minutes before church started, everybody just started walking up front, like in the little altar area, you know. So they're all walking up here. And um, they were just all hanging out there. So I'm like... Julia was coming back later after she dropped the kids off because I left a little bit earlier and she had to weave her way through everybody. And it's like, I don't know, around 100 people, just, you know, no seats or just stand at the altar. And they're just waiting for worship time. That's what they're doing. They're not like just sitting there, you know, kind of chilling. They're waiting for the worship time. They're like, when can we let loose? It's like they're caged animals saying, when can we worship together? When can we praise Him? Because we're about to do this. Like, the attitude was, I'm not leaving this Sunday until I left it everything. It's refreshing. Nice to be around. And nice to be around so many people like that, thinking like that. Um, and so then worship time happens, and uh, it, was, it was just awesome. Um, and uh, then, you know, the guy came out and spoke as a guest speaker um, that Sunday, and he just did a great job. And um, it was just a, it was a blessed Sunday, you know, it was different. I totally missed you guys the whole time. I, I was actually looking at my phone a few times, um, you know, not texting or playing games or anything, but I was actually looking at them like, okay, what are they doing right now? You know, and I go back there and I'm like, wow, what's going on there right now? Um, and, uh, yeah, my heart was just with you, but um, it was interesting to be on the total other side of the country, you know, another church service, um, and just be encouraged and be around our other brothers and sisters, you know, who are worshiping. And... Uh, I guess, as I talk about it now, I guess the message this morning kind of stems a little bit from that. Um, you know, just seeing all of it and being around it, and it's not the first time being around a big church and other things, but for whatever reason, it hit me this particular way this time. It, it was almost like you could see the thoughts and things of, man, like, this is the pinnacle. Like, this is where it's at. This is like the crescendo of like a group of Christian people and the Christian faith and like you've arrived and this is what it looks like, you know, when it happens. And so, I don't know, kind of thinking about that and, 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 and having that, I guess, stir in me um, is, is kind of, I guess, where this message is coming from. And, and then also from conversations on the trip. And, and I guess um, our point of this morning, it also plays into what Keith talked about last week. Um, so it's like a combination of kind of being there, talking with people this past week and experiences this past week, which I'll talk about in a minute. And then what Keith also mentioned last week about, you know, a state of righteousness, like understanding who we are in Jesus Christ. Like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Um, because the Bible makes it really clear that we wear a breastplate of righteousness. And that's, that covers the heart. And the enemy comes, like, right for that thing. And um, Jesus also said, you know, if you seek righteousness, then you will be able to see God. He said on the Sermon on the Mount. And so um, this message this morning is really centered around this aspect of um, what is the pinnacle, the crescendo of the Christian faith? Like what? Somebody calls themselves a Christian and they're daily walking this thing out. 
what can they expect? What can be expected? Um, Because there's like a honeymoon period when somebody first gives their life and their heart to Jesus Christ. It's like, wow. I am now heading this direction in Christ. He has my heart, my life. He's ch- it says he's changing me, and I'm not even going to be the same. I don't even know what that means, you know, because I just made that commitment. But I'm going this way, and I'm kind of excited about where it's going to lead. So it's kind of like this honeymoon phase. And after that honeymoon phase, depending on, depending on who you are, uh, six months, a year, two years, whatever it is, then it kind of wears off, and then it's like we start to see it a little bit for what it is. There's kind of a grind to this thing. It's kind of a grind. Like it's sort of like, okay, I had these expectations, you know, going, man, it's all harder than I thought it could be. I'm seeing a lot of my old self still. I don't know. I've been praying these prayers. Uh, I'm not seeing I thought what I thought I would see. I don't know. And, and so within that thought process and that walking, there can be some confusion and doubt and some disheartening maybe that could set in, possibly. And so this morning, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. And hopefully it's a message that um, encourages, but also challenges, because I think that's what God does for us. And he encourages us, but he's also challenging us. Um, so to be quite honest with you, I don't exactly know, you know how it's going to come out or where it's going to go, but I just know that something is stirred up in there, and it's really settling in around a phrase. Um, I was just spending just great quiet times with them too, which was another great thing. Um, I was able to, because there's so many of us in one house, stayed at my sister's house, we were able to trade off a lot with the kids, and so getting quiet time alone with the Savior was easier. It's a little more challenging here at home, and me and Julie got to work harder and figure out different ways to make it happen. It's a real intentional thing. Like, we even get in fights about it. You know, like, I was able to go read, and uh, you didn't give me time, and I was able to go pray. And, you know, so we're trying to be intentional about it because it's important. It's really important. Um, but I was able to get away and had great times, and, and um, yeah, the stuff has been settling on me. So here's the phrase um, that settled in on my heart, and we're going to just kind of dissect it and look at it, and then we'll head out. So on the next slide, here we go. So this phrase, I think, describes um, what the expectations of a Christian should be. What the expectations of a Christian, like what they are called to be. Realistic biblical ex- um, expectations. And that's what we're going to look into. Is this realistic, number one? And is it biblical? So I think that the pinnacle, the crescendo of the Christian faith, does not look like this. I wrote some things down, and we'll get back to this in a minute. But I just want to put it there so you can read and take a look. Here's what I think some people think, and there's some truth to this. I think some people think, even myself, we get pulled in this direction of, man, the, the pinnacle, the crescendo, like the ultimate, the peak of the Christian faith, like we've really more or less arrived when our life starts to look like, and I wrote some things down. And I wrote them in prayer form, so I don't know. That's just what I did. Um, God, I need more income. The money is just too tight right now. And so, let's say God then, boom, somehow makes a check just show up out of nowhere. Right? So you're just praying. Your heart is just there like, Lord, I just don't know how we're going to make it. Stuff is just tight. We're working our tails off. Ah, You know the numbers, Lord. We need some more. 
Um, God, please increase my position at work. I think I'm more qualified than the next person. I do a better job to them. I don't understand. Um, I don't feel like I'm using all my gifts. God, give me another position. Put me somewhere else. And then let's say, boom, a promotion opportunity shows up like the next day. You know, somebody, um, one, one of, um, you know, the supervisors comes up or approaches, hey, position just opened up, you know, I think you might be good for it. And God, our home needs to sell to support our growing family. Or we just need to move and get out of our space for whatever reason. So then, real quickly, you hear about just this opportunity. Your house sells, whatever you need to sell, sells quick, and then you can go. God, take this anxiety and fear away from me. And then what he does, right, that could be a prayer. God, take this anxiety and just fear from my life. It's just dominating me. It's infiltrating other parts of my life. It's paralyzing me. I can't seem to get past it. God, take it from me. So then let's say, he takes it immediately. It never returns so that you don't even remember what it used to be when you suffered from it. God, I know that I'm not called to be depressed, so help take this away. And then depression, hopelessness, is gone immediately and replaced with joy and a hope that's always rising. I think a lot of times, many of us can pull in the direction where like, we could have prayers like that and kind of have a dialogue like that with God. And if those things happened right away, it's kind of like, man, this is, this is it. This is the Christian faith. Like, I prayed for this thing, and it happened. Boom. And the common thread through all of those, they happen pretty immediately. Um, and that's kind of the pinnacle in the Christian faith, but not definitely. That's not like the ultimate experience of being a Christian and walking with God is if we lay a concern before him of something that we need and then we see him answer it very quickly. That is not like the ultimate of the Christian faith. And it's easy to get pulled into that direction and really go aggressively after that. Now, all those prayers also I just mentioned, I wanted to say, those are not bad prayers. Like, it's okay to pray and ask God for greater income. That's okay. It's also okay to ask Him for different job positions. It's okay um, to ask Him for things that we need. But also submit it, you know, to what He might have for us and in the way that He wants to do it. So it's okay to ask for those things. Um, But it's not the pinnacle or the ultimate... Um, part of the Christian faith. Here's what I think is. Is this right here. Abiding in the amazing sonship slash daughtership with God, while at the same time fighting against the flesh and enemy so that the culture of heaven can be made manifest. I would say, just drop the... I said amen when I think when I wrote it down. I think I was actually on the plane at that point. It was just really after the whole week, actually. I was like, yes, Lord, like, that's right. And, and I wrote down a whole bunch of other things that sort of like just led to this. We're called to expect as Christians to abide in an amazing, and this is amazing, sonship slash daughtership with God, while at the same time fighting against our flesh and an enemy, the devil, so that the culture of heaven can be made manifest. So it can actually be made so it can actually be seen through us because it's changing us, then it can now be seen. So made manifest means. So I want to do is I just wanted to pick apart some of this and say, well, listen, is this biblical? Like, is this a right expectation to have? Because within that, we don't see a lot about answered prayers like immediately. 
we don't see a lot about even really maybe even um, feeling comfortable. Um, we don't see a lot of option for quitting. We don't even see really a lot of option for us in there. There's really not even a lot of talk about me or I in there, which is very interesting. So let's, take, let's dissect it a little bit, and, and then we'll talk about it. So first part, abiding in the amazing sonship slash daughtership with God. Abide. We are called to abide. We are called to, as Christians, to abide, hang out, be with Him. Abide means like you're hanging out, you're staying in, you abide in your home. You hang out in your home. Hang out in your home cleaning, hang out in your home playing video games. You hang out, that's where you abide, that's where you hang out. That's where your time is spent. It was awesome abiding in my sister's home this past 10 days. It was the best. There's four crazy kids, um, and then we like, had people over and stuff, but just to abide there in that culture and that environment was just a good thing. It was just something that we needed. And Rick mentioned something as we were praying this morning, and I didn't talk to him ahead of time, but that's what John 15 is all about. Here's what Jesus said. You can turn there if you'd like, or I'll read it to you. Jesus said this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will even be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain, or most versions say, abide in me, and I will remain, abide in you. That's where we're called to hang out. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Jesus is the vine. It's supposed to hang out and abide in Him. That's what we're called to do as Christians. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in Me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in Me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from Me, you can do nothing. See, it's kind of nice in this illustration is that a branch can't really get off and walk away from the vine. Us as humans, we can have a choice whether we're going to hang out and abide with them or not. Eh, I don't have time for it. I just, you know, it's a long day. I need to unplug and boom, you know, there goes on the TV or there goes a video game or there goes something else. You know, I just need to, whatever. Like the branch doesn't have much of that choice. Like he's just hanging out on the vine. He can't get up and run away and go do something else. But the phrasing is interesting. Verse 5 says, apart from me, you could do nothing. I mean, we could do stuff, but there's really nothing that will bear fruit, like what he's talking about. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Heavy language, huh? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Hey, hey, hey. That's interesting too, right? So ask anything you wish, it will be given to you, but part one of that was abiding in me. Because then you'll know how to pray and what to ask for. Because James makes it really clear in the book of James, hey listen, you don't get stuff when you pray because you're asking amiss. Like you're missing your motivations to asking or what you're asking for. It isn't quite lined up. It says, so this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. He wants us to bear much fruit and be very fruitful. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's how people will know. When we abide in Him, we ask and things happen and there's much fruit of that in our life. That's how people know we're Christians and disciples. That's part one of this phrase right there. That's just the first word. Just abiding. That's an entire Christian life all in and of itself. 
And that's where the enemy comes right there. He comes for the ankles. Boom. I'm going to take off the abiding time. I'll make you busy. I'll make you distracted. I'll make you frustrated. I'll make you doubt. And I'll get lots of other even convincing people around you to take that away. I'll even throw, you know, um, anything that I can. I'll throw spouses. I'll throw relationships. I'll throw science. I'll throw the popular opinion of the day. I will make sure that abiding time, even if you get it, it'll, be as just, it'll have so many distractions and it'll seem like God doesn't even pay attention or listen and you won't even want to do it again next time. He's coming after the abiding. That's the key, numero uno, of what we're called to as Christians. So when we're called to it, we can expect God to hear our prayers and to answer them when we're abiding in Him. Absolutely. So that's the first part. I think it's biblical. So let's go back to the phrase. So abiding in the amazing sonship slash daughtership with God. This is a big one. So now if we can go like um, to the next slide, two after that. Put the Ephesians part on there. Yeah. Not all people are God's children. This is one that I hear a lot and comes up a lot, um, especially with some of my coworkers. Oh, well, we're all children of God. We're all His children. And I think that's kind of a popular consensus a lot of times. Because it definitely is true that we're His creation. We are God's creation. He did make us. He did make us in His image. But not all of us are His children. And I put up a lot of verses. We won't look at all of them now, but you could write them down and look back at them later. We're not all His children. Totally not true at all. In fact, it's even heavier language than that. Look at, I'll, I'll read the Ephesians 2 one. You don't have to turn there. I'll read there. I'll read it for you real quick. That Ephesians 2 verse is even heavier. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also live, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, look at this, we were, but nature, we were by nature objects of wrath. Oh, So not only were we not children, so we were created and we were loved, but we're also objects of wrath. Why? How can that be the case? Because we were born into sin. And that sin was in our life and was never accounted for. Never accounted for. We're just born into it. I mean, me, you, all of us. So he wanted us to become children, but we had to make a choice to actually become his children. And so that's what these other verses are about. Let's say, I'll just look at the John 1.12 one, just because we've been reading through the book of John. And we saw this um, earlier on. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed, he gave the right to become children. It's a right. It's a privilege. How do you get it? To all who received and believed. Do you receive and believe who Jesus Christ is? Did he actually die for our sins, my sin, paid my price, paid your price, debts that we could not, cover on our own. We receive that and believe that and live after that. That's how we become children. So now, so what? What's the big deal? 
Okay, so I'm his kid. So I'm his daughter. And that's cool. One of the most enjoyable things about uh, being away this break, to be completely honest with you, one of the most enjoyable things was as a dad, and also as an uncle, but as a dad, watching these kids just... And I wanted to upload like a whole bunch of fun videos and stuff. I just did not get a chance to, but... Um, just watching them chase each other around the house. Like the way their house was set up, they'd just be running circles around like from their kitchen to the living room, back to the dining room, back to the curtain. And they're like screaming, ha, ha, ha. And you hear them all laughing. And then you see one come around the corner with a sword. And then you see another come around the corner with a ball, you know. And then another one's come around the corner like dressed uh, as like uh, one of the Avengers guys. You know, another one has a princess outfit and they're chasing each other and ch- tackling it was just oh, it was just so much fun and so enjoyable. And then watching them like do it in the pool, and um, you know I was the pool piranha, and I was like attacking them and trying to bite them, and they're trying to get past me and jump. It was awesome. It was just awesome. Um, and and to be honest, like that was one of the most that, that was really the most enjoyable parts of the trip is just seeing um, my children and my nieces and nephews just enjoy themselves. There's something about that heart that's also true about God with us. Couple, one unique thing is that we're adopted. He actually chose to come get us. I didn't choose to go get Jaron and Judson. We just got given them. He chose to come get us. That's saying something right there. He had a choice. Like He knew what he was getting himself into. A lot of times we don't have a choice with that stuff. And like marriage is always a good picture of that. You know, it's like you don't really know what you're getting you know, until 10, 15 years later. You don't really know. You know, everyone's happy that day and everybody looks good and smells good. But 10 years later, like the real deal is going to happen later. So it's like then, you know, would somebody get into it knowing 10, 15 years later what they were admitting to and committing to before? I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to hope so, but I don't know. So it's like he knew. He adopted us. He saw the value there and went after us. And then also, like, Jaron and Judson, they don't have to come up to me and, like, plead and beg with me. Maybe they do if they're in trouble or something. But for the most part, I want to see them, like, enjoy themselves because I am for them. I am on their side. I want to do, set everything up so that they can succeed. It's just what a good dad or mom wants to do. And that's absolutely the case of our Heavenly Father. Like, I can just approach God, and I don't have to beg Him for things in my life. Oh, God, just please hear me, God. Just, please, if you could just, you know, make some time and just try and do this thing for me. And He's like, what are you doing? You're my son and daughter. Like, yes, come here. I want to listen to this. I want to hear this. And in fact, I even want to do this. Now, that's not to say that as maybe he brings an answer, he's also, he's multitasking when he's bringing an answer. He's multitasking when he's bringing an answer. Because one, he wants to like uphold his word. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. True. At the same time, he's also transforming and refining us into the image of Jesus Christ as he answers that prayer. See, he's multitasking. He's not just doing one thing. 
He's certainly staying true to his word and what he has said and how he will answer us and how he will even give us what we ask for. But at the same time, he's making sure our motivations are in the right place, that we can handle something when he brings it, that we have good enough character, that we're going to be able to actually have glory brought to the right places, not to us when he brings that answer. So he's multitasking when he does it. That takes work. That takes time. That's why sometimes the immediate stuff doesn't happen. So he's multitasking there. And it's freeing to be able to come before God and be like, God, I don't have to feel weird about asking for more money like in my family and my finances. You know this. So Lord, I can confidently ask you like for a new job and a better position. And I can say thank you that you hear me and that you will do it. And then now, what was missing in those other prayers in the beginning, we say thank you that you're going to do this, that you hear me, and that you're going to do the work in me that needs to be done to make this happen. Because all these other prayers that I listed in the beginning as far as you know, God, help me get this position, help me get some more money, help me pay, pay up my rent, help me move someplace, help so-and-so to feel better. Significant, you know, important prayers, but they were lacking the element of thankfulness and faith. And that's what we need to have when we pray. A thank, like I'm a son or daughter, coming. thank you, God, that you hear me, you're going to answer this. But it might take longer than what I'm thinking or anticipating. So get the stuff in me that's in the way of you answering. Get it out of the way so we can get to what you want to do. That's, what he, that's how he's calling us to pray. Like That's the expectation that a son and a daughter does. So Jaren says, you know, I want to go outside and I want to go do the water table. Okay, but you made a disastrous mess in the living room, so we're going to go clean that up first, and then you can go do the water. I don't want to do it. And he's on the floor, you know, and then doing his whole spiel, you know. But there's not a lot of difference with that and with us, where it's like, well, okay, Lord, well, I want to go do this, and I need you to do this here. It's like, listen, you didn't handle this stuff back here that I really spoke to your heart on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this needs to happen now. Like, you don't understand. This, we need results here. You need to say something and do something, because, and then you just give your whole reasons of the because. And then, you know, then we can, you know, come to church and tell, oh, I don't understand what God's doing, da, 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 da. He wants to handle stuff, you know, over here and make sure we're in a position and we're secure in understanding what he's doing. Maybe it's very possible that there's things in us that are in the way of him developing an answer that we can handle. And I really hope and pray that that's at the forefront of our minds and understanding when we come and pray before God. And that really takes I and me out of the equation, actually quite a bit. Because now it's a really big focus of, Lord... I just want you to be glorified in me and have you to have your way. You know my situation. This is what we need. This is what we're asking you for, and I know that you hear me. I don't see this result right now. Lord, what do you want to do in me? What are you calling me? What are you, what are you looking to cut off that won't be fruitful? Because I want to be in a position where it can be fruitful. Right? That's, that's what prayer times look like. That's what we're called to be with God. That's how a son or daughter can approach and it's not begging, like, I hope that you hear me, and I know I did this, but now, God, I hope that there's some way we can do something. 
Oh, we can come with confidence before Him. But we can only come in confidence before Him when somebody actually has received and believed. If nobody has ever, if a person has never received or believed, as it says in John's 1, then there's no way they can come with confidence before God. He's not going to answer those prayers. There's no relationship. There's sin in the way. God hears it, but His hands are tied and He can't move or act. He can't do it. That's why it's of paramount importance, the of utmost importance for us to receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Of utmost importance. Because then we can be in relationship. Then we can abide. Then we know how to pray and talk. It's not a laundry list of what we need or what needs to get fixed. It's me and my position of who I am as a son or a daughter you as God, I do have needs and things, but primarily I want your love, your wisdom, and your life be made manifest through me. And I full well know there's things that can get in the way of that. So go ahead and prune away. And it does hurt, and we'll probably whine. But hopefully there'll be less of that as we grow. The sonship daughtership issue is really important. That we can have confidence to just come to God with anything. I know a lot of us have like screwed up, messed up past intentionally with bad things in it. You'd be very, I don't know, you'd be very surprised of all of the stories and things that I hear on a regular basis. It's dirty and funky and crazy. I mean, lots of stuff. He's not surprised by that. And he still died for you, knowing that that stuff was going to happen. And he's still looking to use you, knowing that that stuff has happened. I hope we can just get on the page and just be repentful and say, Lord, ah, I did that stuff. I'm having a hard time believing that we can now like, move forward and you're going to do something amazing with all this stuff. That's a good, honest prayer. But then attach some faith to it. But I know I'm your son now. I know I'm a daughter. You said my life is new. And I want to walk in that. So I thank you that you're going to do something. Right? So we're called to pray. So we're called to do it. This is the pinnacle and the crescendo of the Christian life. This is what it looks like. It's not immediate prayers being answered. It's like this constant abiding relationship with him. where We're in agreement with what his word says and what he's trying to do in us. That's pretty good. I wish I wrote that down. But that's true. That's just, I don't even know. But, but that's, that's like what the Christian life is. I'm trying to get it back. The Christian life, right, is for us to be in agreement with what His Word says and with what He's doing in us. We're there. Right? That's, like the, that's the pinnacle of the Christian faith is being in agreement and submission to what His Word says and also being in agreement and submission to what He's trying to transform and do in us. Man, when those things line up, bring it. Like, we're in a good place. I don't care if it's a small house or a big house. I don't care if there's a lot of lack or if there's plenty. I don't care if it's a big church or a little church. It doesn't matter. That's the pinnacle in the crescendo. Like, people, you are doing it. You are doing it if that is the case. 
regardless of what has happened before and regardless of the current situation. If someone can honestly say within their heart, man, I am in agreement and submission with what God is saying and asking of me, and I am also in agreement and submission with what He's transforming me to be, and that's of utmost importance, they're in a good place. That's the Christian life. Don't put some heavy burden on yourself, and I hope I don't do it, put some heavy burden on you where it's like you have to be living this extraordinary life doing something. Where you have this like amazing calling if you could just figure it out, like then you'll get there. There almost is like a kind of like thing like that that sometimes I think can get into our minds and gets around the Christian circle. We're called to abide and be in agreement with what he's doing. That will produce fruit and bring us to wherever we need to go. And by faith, things will just get handled because that's what a good father do, does. He handles things. And he handles things in our favor for our good. But he gets to decide what is good and what's in our favor. We don't get to decide that part. <laughs> right, that's a big deal to be good with that. That's a, re- that's a really hard thing to be good with that. Because when like the crap is hitting the fan... It's hard to be good with it then. But that's when it's the most important. I was reading a psalm this past week where I was just like chilling at this park, you know, nobody's there, just reading stuff. And one of the psalms, I forget what it was, uh, 58 or 59 or something. And, and uh, King David wrote it down. And he, he actually just got chased into a cave. These guys were trying to kill him. And um, the whole psalm was him rejoicing and praising, and I will be steadfast, and I will be steadfast, and I will not doubt, and I know that you're for me. They will not overcome me. It's like, man, that's when the stuff is hitting the fan. And he's staying steadfast and being submitted to what God, he knows that God is for him, that he's with him. He knows who God is. I mean, if he were to just judge who God is by running into a cave and people looking to kill him, That doesn't look real good. But if we just see that tunnel vision, if he just saw that for what it was, and that was just the determining factor of how God loved him and what his Christian life looked like, that's a horrible way to look at it. But that's all that the enemy wants us to do. Tunnel vision on what we see and we don't like and then stay there and come up with a gazillion reasons of how if he really loved us, it never would happen this way. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It takes work to prune what he's doing in our lives and what he wants to do through us. I hope as branches we can just hold on, stay in there, and keep fighting. And like even, you know, crying through a worship song, you know, just being a wreck and just not even being able to think straight and just, but God, like that song, you know, 10,000 Reasons, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. And Keith mentioned before that a few weeks ago. Sometimes we just got to tell ourselves, just keep praising, just keep singing. Well, I don't feel like it, I know, but just keep praising. But there's a certain element to that. So we're only on the second part. Let's go. So God's children is important. Look up the rest of the verses during the week. Good Sal, go back to the phrase if you could, the beginning one again. Abiding in the amazing sonship slash daughtership with God while at the same time fighting against the flesh and enemy. Let's go back to that 
fighting against the flesh and enemy. It's like, what, three sides from this one? Fighting against the flesh and the enemy. There's a fighting aspect to this as well. It's with the Ephesians 6. Not all people... I got the one after that. There we go. We are called to pale. Pale. We are called to fight. That's a Greek word for fight. So in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities. Like our issues and our struggles and just that turmoil that happens. That word being used there is pele or pale. Pale. That's the Greek word for fighting. We're called to fight. So we're called to abide in him, let him do his work, wait on what he wants to do. And while we're abiding, we're also at the same time fighting off our flesh that wants to go its own direction and an enemy that's trying to feed that flesh to go in that direction. It's not an easy thing. It's a real deal battle going on here. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 just paints the picture of how serious this is. And in fact, it's so serious that he compares it to armor. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So stand, stand. Verse 14, stand firm then. Standing is a big deal. Standing is a real big deal. Stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. It's a battle. It's a fight. But here's, the, here's some good news in that. As we abide, it's like the armor just slips itself on. We don't even really need to make much of an effort to put it on because as we are abiding in Him, man, we can just hide within the branch. It's all good. But the imagery and the illustration and the symbolism of a soldier with armor gives the reality that what we live in is a real fight and a real struggle. It's a real fight and a real struggle. It is there. And that's the one that the enemy would love to hide. You know, but it's true. The fight is really raging. We're not just dealing with people with attitudes. Um, We're not just um, dealing with difficult situations and, and, and anxiety that just comes up out of nowhere, irrational fears and thoughts that just pop up out of nowhere. Um, These are intentional. Coming from a source looking to do damage. But the good news is, as we abide, there is hope and there is also victory. And so the last part of this, we can go back to the original one. 
So we're called to abide in the amazing sonship slash daughtership with God while at the same time fighting against the flesh and enemy so that the culture of heaven can be made manifest. The culture of heaven can be made manifest. So that's Matthew 6. I'll read this last one. We'll close with this. Matthew 6. This is the prayer everybody knows. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is how Jesus told us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's going to do that through the person asking for that prayer. He's going to do that through the vessel that's praying that. Through the believer, through the Christian son or daughter that's praying it. So God has chosen to use you, to use I, to take the kingdom of heaven, which we've never been to. But the Spirit of God has that lives in us. So to be such in tune with that, understand that so well that actually pours out of our life so people can tell what the culture of heaven itself is like by being around us. That's what we can expect as Christians. Some people are saying, that's far, far off in my life. <laughs> There's no culture of heaven around me. No, but you know what? If you're a believer in God and you're following after, it's going to look more like that next month than it is this month. And it's coming. And then also, don't fight it, because he's doing it and he's bringing it. And that's going to be one heck of a testimony. The culture of heaven was nowhere near your life before. And now it's undeniable. Because he's calling to do that through us. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not like, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Just don't use me to do it. And go ahead and go ahead. Like, that's not it. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, do it through me, whatever you want to do, so people can see it. May the way, may the patience that I have do something. May my response do something. May the words that I use do something. May my generosity do something. May my self-sacrifice do something. Pray that it does. I pray that as we continue to serve with Acts 4, it's more than just moving furniture. I pray that those prayer times, man, that we share with people, that people would be touched in a special way, that people would be healed on the spot right then and there. And if he's not doing that yet, then Lord, do a work in our church family and do a work in our hearts so that way these things happen. Because I know you hear us. We're your sons, we're your daughters. There's a part two for another time. But the pinnacle, the crescendo of the Christian faith, the summit of it, is being in agreement with his word and also being in agreement and submitting to the transformation he's doing in us. That's the pinnacle of the Christian life. No matter what your bank account says, no matter even what other people that hate you say around you, now, if it's a spouse or somebody close and there's a real issue, you've got to pay attention to that. You know, I say, well, I'm really following God. Yeah, but you're a jerk to everybody. So it's like, 
you gotta, you had to like know when to listen and when not to listen. Like you gotta figure that out. But that's the pinnacle of the, of the Christian faith, you know. And I don't, you know, as far as my life, your life, like that's what we're striving after. To where we fight less with what he says and just like be obedient and in agreement to it. And when it seems like he's not answering or there's a delay in prayer, that we actually embrace the process instead of fighting against it because we know he's doing the transformation that needs to be done. So it's not like, oh, I've been praying this forever and he's not doing anything and I haven't heard anything. And hopefully we can embrace him and be like, yeah, he hasn't answered it yet, but he's positioning me so that I can receive that answer. And I'm so looking forward to when he brings it. Because then I get to receive the answer and I get to become a new person that can handle that answer when he brings it. Because most times, man, when you're praying hard for something, the work is done in us first before we even see anything happen. It's just the way it works. So um, let's stand and we'll close in prayer because it went a little bit longer and it bounced around a little bit. But I put all those verses on there so if we can look back during the week. So I hope you're just encouraged about being a son or a daughter. Be encouraged about being a son or a daughter. He's coming after that breastplate of righteousness. And I have, if you weren't here last week, um, Keith made up some things here um, that say, I am in Christ. They're basically just promises like throughout the Bible saying, who we are as sons and daughters in Christ. I am, boom. And there's just pages of things. Because sometimes it's a struggle. I don't really quite know who I am or what it means. And through these pages, it says what it is. So if you're interested in taking one, please take it. Um, But the main issue, right? We have to receive and believe who Jesus is so that we can then become sons or daughters. He does love everybody, true. He did create everybody in his image, true. But not all people are his children. And certainly not all people can enjoy the benefits and the rights of being children. Although he so desperately wants everybody too. Um, so I don't know if everybody um, has done that or not, but we can do that right now. So if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, if somebody is here this morning and they have never um, submitted to and asked Jesus Christ into their heart and said, I want to become willingly become your son, if you've never done that, never done that. It's never happened. Then... Just look up and look at me, and then we could make sure that that gets handled now. Amen. Amen on that. Amen. Amen. That's a good word. That's awesome. So I'm not going to belabor it and make it weird. Praise God um, for those that have looked up. And your courage and what you're saying is, You're submitting to your father, who is a good father. The enemy just wants to paint him as someone who's going to ruin your life and place restrictions and make life horrible for you. It's just not the truth. It's just not the truth. So if you did look up, if you did look up at me, just pray this prayer to yourself. You don't have to pray it aloud. Just pray it to yourself. Father, I thank you for paying for my sins. I do receive and believe Jesus Christ as my Savior. I thank you, God, for providing a way to pay for my sins. 
and transform my life forever.